Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Roxy, and today I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Jay and Amber. Hi, everybody. Hi. To keep up with all of our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine and YouTube The Craze. Before we begin, I'd like to give a big shout out to your patrons that helped make this episode possible. Big thanks to Danielle, Stuart, Mian, and Brienne for their support. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash crazemagazine to check out all of the great perks that we have for our members. And lastly, we also now have our Monster X mini zines on hand, but they are going very quickly. If you are interested in picking up a copy, be sure to head over to our website and do it ASAP. We also have a new shipping rate for international shipping. So any international fans that are listening, we have found a cheaper rate for y'all. So it won't be as bad as it is before. Thank God, because that 30 something dollars to ship to me over in Korea, that was nuts. Worldwide shipping is crazy and I hate it. So uh, for today's article discussion, we are going to be talking about our feature article from back in 2018. It was called Idol Life, the Pros, Cons, and Differences from Western Idol Culture. So a couple years ago in uh, our print issue, we basically did a very in-depth look at how the K-pop idol culture differentiates itself from what those of us in the Western market are used to. And uh, there's a lot of things that were highlighted that I think some people, you know, sometimes you think about it, but you don't really think about it, if that makes any sense. We know as K-pop fans that, like, our idols go through hell and back to become what they are today, and that some people forget that it is quite the intensive system for them to experience from being scouted as young as, like, first grade, sometimes even younger, all the way to the struggle to debut and gain attention. And like sometimes these training periods, they can last for years upon years. When you think about it, it's just like some of these idols have been doing this for such a long time that it's like, how do you do it? And it's a lot of sheer passion and drive to do it because I don't know if I could just spend a good chunk of my life just training and waiting for my day to come. Like, for example, you know, there's Jisoo who's mentioned in the article. He trained for 15 years. I can't imagine waiting 15 years to finally make my debut. I don't know if I can handle that. There's a lot of idols that had to go through that. There was a TWICE member who trained for like 10 years, I believe. And then there was Chan who was at JYP for seven years before he debuted so like training with a bunch of people and then seeing them debut without you that's really gotta like hit you where it hurts and like the struggle with that like the process of becoming an idol is one of the reasons why I have such a strong opinion when it comes to idol groups not made in Korea per se like groups that are trying to market themselves like k-pop groups but clearly aren't k-pop groups you know, actually, you brought up Chan, right? So that made me think about, like, at least in JYP, because I think a lot of things that people forget is that these trainees, before they're put into a group, they train with a bunch of different people. So that's why people at labels know each other so well. So Chan, I'm sure, trained alongside the members of GOT7. And anybody that knows GOT7 knows that Young Jay only trained for seven months. So can you imagine having this trainee come in and having him put in a group above you after you had been working for so many years like I don't even know if I would be able to keep going after something like that right and it's like with GOT7's lineup had changed a lot like Chan was supposed to be part of GOT7's lineup Youngjae got added to GOT7's lineup some people might not remember this but Shonu actually trained alongside the GOT7 members then he left and went to Starship so the idol groups we see now we see like the seven members of GOT7 there's probably like 20 people vying for those spots and can you imagine how different life would look like if Bang Chen was in GOT7 and not Stray Kids? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it's so, it's like, 
it happened in an alternate universe, but like just trying to fathom that is so weird to me. And like imagine a universe with uh, Yo Song and Woo Young debuting in TXT. Oh yeah, I forgot they were a big hit together. So that probably means that they trained with BTS also. They were the younger training ones. We know that Woo Young was the last to be added to ATs, um, and he left to follow Yo Song because Yo Song saw that he wasn't going to debut with the TXT members. I always find it. I don't know how like the professionals at these places determine whether or not some somebody is prepared to debut because as far as I can tell, almost all of these trainees have a staggering amount of talent. So I don't know how you differentiate them. And it just goes into like the training process. Idols aren't just trained in singing and dancing. They get trained in personality and camera work and image training, as well as like language and their other basic education. So they've got like all these things that they have to learn on top of that. So it's not just the quote talent that determines if they're ready or not. I think we got to see a lot of like training life when we saw these survival shows of like idols trying to be in these groups. And, you know, it's just a glimpse of what actual trainee life is of getting these performance reviews. And just imagine like every single week or every single two weeks or a month, you get reviewed. And if you're just not up to your standard, and I just want to know, what is the standard? You know, what makes you like, if you don't pass these reviews, you know, you got to work harder even into the next week what's the criteria of it for each of these companies you know i mean we just got to think about the type of idols that come out of the different companies like the standard for jyp or sm could be different than like the standard for yg or big hit or the standard for starship is probably different than the standard for cube and like vice versa you know i know um some idols have told stories about just being cast on the street like Jin always jokes about how he like ran away from it. What was it? SM casting person (laughs) on the street. And they try, they get these kids so young because I kind of hate to say it, but it's much easier to mold somebody that is younger into what you want them to be than to pick someone up later when they've already started forming their own personality and things. No, absolutely. Um, JYP has been, I don't know. I think it was super intern or one of the, many shows that he's had that he talks about like his perfect trainee age is in like elementary school because he's able to start that morality training start that dancing that language that image training at such a young age to be able to fit the jyp mold like let's look at the big three groups jyp sm yg there's like those key characteristics that make an idol from those companies You know, that's absolutely crazy to me uh, because thinking back to when I was in elementary school, I had no fucking idea what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until I was in college, like studying something. I don't know how these kids go into something all in when they're so young and don't change their mind, you know, because like when you're really young, you think you want to do everything. There's no like, at least for me, there's no limit to what it could be. So like, Maybe I thought I wanted to be a singer for five minutes when I was like 11 and then realized that I couldn't do that. I, I, I can't even like fathom this. I mean, it's, there's like, go ahead, Jay. It's kind of like, you know, they're tantalized with this fantasy of like, do you want to be famous? Like we can make you famous, you know? Who, who the hell wants to be famous? Then you get weird people following you around all over the place. It's true. But I feel like that's how they try to appeal to a lot of these younger people is just like, hey, most of the time, a lot of it is visual based. You know, they see you on the streets, like Amber mentioned. And um, I believe SM's very notorious for looking for really good visuals out on the street. Um, I feel like that's how Baekhyun was uh, scouted. Saw him on the streets and be like, you're very good looking. Do you want to join this company? You know? I also don't know how you do that with kids. Like, how do you look at a child and decide that they're going to grow up to be good looking? Because that's before, what I want to know. Because, like, before you go the, through puberty, you like you don't look the same before puberty than after it. Like, that's my point. I mean, there's probably like nutrition and health things that they would do to ensure like a certain like body type and not like extreme dieting but like teaching you how to like eat well for like your body shape and things like that i know there's some companies that lean into more healthy habits than others um 
the other thing that like that's happened a lot is like people would get scouted at like events uh there was an there was an itsy member who was scouted at a got seven event i think was, was that yeji yeah or I mean, um, god damn can you imagine like <laughs> i i i, I my brain is like exploding i can't even begin and it's it's really interesting to me though because like sometimes though these headhunters these scouters don't even look at who they're trying to like headhunt like Jong-in from Stray Kids he debuted and was still being headhunted what explain yeah yeah people would be like here here's a casting thing and he debuted in a big three company and they had no idea who he is well I mean he was like five years old when he debuted but still also, was it uh, most recently on Eric Nam's podcast, Nick Kuhn was the guest and he was talking about his, how he was uh, scouted. He was scouted at us in front of a Starbucks and they made him do the audition in front of that Starbucks or something like that. Hell like, no. What? Girl, I'm just trying to get my coffee. Leave me alone. I'm not going to dance for you in front of a Starbucks. <laughs> it's, it's like, go away. And there's other people that like enter idol life maybe not as recruited, but they, like, go to the auditions and try to get in. Like, they're not recruited, but they search out the companies or they enter in, like, different, like, routes. Like, Minho from Stray Kids, he was a backup dancer for BTS and then decided, huh, I want to do that. And now he's a performer himself. Sometimes they just fall, it falls into place. Who, I forgot, he was on the Produce 101X series. He made it pretty far, and then he did debut, but, like, people found him through Hello Counselor, because he submitted a concern himself, and then everybody's like, wow, he's so good-looking, and then, lo and behold, a couple years later, here he is, like, being an idol, and he was just a kid in school, just concerned about his parents or his family, and I'm just like, what? I remember seeing this kid. So, question here. We know that looks play probably the most major part in getting somebody casted in Korea. Do you think that's true in the Western market also? No, absolutely not. But I think stardom happens differently in the Western market versus the Korean market. I'm People are going to come at me for this, but the talent in Korea, idol groups are manufactured. Yes, they have a bunch of talented people, but there is a handful of groups that do not fit this norm, but a majority of K-pop groups are manufactured by their companies. They pick people who fit this idea, and then they put people and make them these characters. That's not the thing in the West. They don't mold you into a character. Like, who would want to mold a character into Lizzo? Like, Lizzo's one of those personalities that you don't just come up with off the top of your head. Right. She had, like, uh, she had an organic personality that people were attracted to, basically. Right. And like, I'm not saying that all idol personalities are made up. No, but we know that when kids are put in a training program, especially when they're young, they are taught how to be. So maybe eventually some of their personality comes out. And I think that's why people liked BTS so much because, you know, Big Hit was so small at the time. They didn't really, because you know, the big three place a lot of emphasis on that, but they were so small at the time that maybe they were less focused on personality molding in the beginning um they probably had started doing it a little bit more but you know it's only glimpses that we really get of each idol's different personality and it's never when they're doing like performances like my first example that i'm thinking of while i'm speaking is like if you watch an AT's music video let's take hala hala for example it's very intense and all of the members have the same sort of demeanor right but if you watch the behind the scenes you'll probably see Wu Young screaming about something and him and San doing some dumb shit because that's all they do right that's where the personality is it's not in the main performance it's in the behind the scenes kind of thing absolutely like everyone thirsts over Wanho but then the man was afraid of a sardine in the water that was the cutest thing I've ever seen it hurt me physically he's he's giant man but he is little baby and it's like those little things, like the personalities on stage, like let's talk about BTS, Yoongi, like on stage, he's a god. Off stage, he's like, leave me alone with my book and my recording equipment. Yoongi is me. I love him so much. But he is a prime example of like, he, it's very obvious he has a performance persona because that's his job. So he goes out and does his thing. And then when he goes home, he's like, fucking leave me alone. I hate all of you. Like, it's just how people are. And I love it, though. And it's like, there's that clear, I'm off the clock, leaving the fuck alone, like, line. 
going more like looking at how stardom here in the West is, I feel like a lot of, of the more up and coming artists that we've seen, well, thanks to, you know, YouTube and social media, a lot of these artists that we see today, they get their name out there on these types of platforms early on. And from covers to eventually somebody's finding them, some record labels finding them, or we have shows like The Voice or American Idol, where we see, I I was going to call them idols, where we see singers and artists, because they're not considered idols, I'd have to switch my brain off um, for that, that we see like, oh, like, damn, it's purely on the talent of their voice first and then like you know I especially like the voice sometimes it's because it's like you you get to hear the voice first before you actually see who the person is and or sometimes it's just a lot of how do I explain it there's a lot of influence from like if you're a musical family it'll bleed into your children and your children will pick up the musicality I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in Korea either because it does but I feel like from things that we've heard Like some celebrities don't even want their children to get into the industry at all. They want their children to live a quote unquote normal life away from being an idol, you know? So I have something that I wanted to bring up, at least in the differences between celebrities. So I just took an example here because I know this is a very bad, bad person. Um, (laughs) Rapper 6ix9ine is somebody that is quote unquote famous or got popular despite the fact that he is engaged in sexual activities with a minor, which makes him a pedophile. So I feel like we see, at least in the Western market, some people or there seems to at least seems to be more prevalence, not necessarily that there is, but there seems to be more prevalence of like not so great people getting famous and making a ton of money compared to like in Korea. Of course, there is still that because like we have the member who shall not be named from Big Bang that did some very, very terrible things. And of course, there are allegations for other people and stuff. But I don't know. I just, part of the reason that I have an issue with the Western market is that I feel like there are a lot of really famous people who make a ton of money who are not good people. They do bad things. And like, I don't know why our society would lift that up over people that are truly passionate about the music they make and that are actually making a difference with that music. Yeah, I have to agree because like sometimes it's just like you wonder like how did they even get famous, you know, because I guess we all have our preferences like your music isn't that great either. Like, but I don't see the appeal. But if you like it, you like it. I, I won't put you down for it. But sometimes it's just like, how? How is this possible? You know? I think it's also important to mention that Hollywood has basically been running off pedophilia since it's been born. So like, why are we still letting that happen? I mean, we can't pretend like that's not an issue that does occur within the Korean industry, too. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. But it's just hidden better here. That's why when Burning Sun came to light, everyone panicked and freaked out about it. But we all know that this is stuff that has happened in the past before and still currently happens with smaller companies and smaller groups because... Everyone wants to be famous. Everyone wants to be the star on stage and like they'll do anything to get there. I forget. I remember um, on my newsfeed, something came across of a, a smaller girl group. I don't remember who it was, but they had come out uh, with um, sexual assault allegations against their manager. And it was one of these small groups. And I feel like, of course, the women are going to get it worse, too. I am not quite sure which group you're talking about, but I do remember there's a group, Fanatics, that their company was like very, very obviously like objectifying them. And it was caught on tape that whoever was recording their V Live was trying to like show members' legs off. And another person or a member got disciplined for trying to cover up their legs on a V Live. So I like, believe that was a female staff member trying to cover their legs, and you can clearly hear the slap on the V Live in the background. I was like, "Oof, yikes!" I know that also a lot of these misconducts come out of smaller companies, probably more than likely because companies with money can pay off 
um, news sites to not report on that stuff. But another example of this was TS Entertainment's group Tracing. I don't even know what happened to them, but there were two members that left the group and claimed that they had been like beaten with metal chairs while they were practicing. It's kind of insane and scary. Seventeen had scan not scandals like allegations against their company like that too. Seventeen did. Yeah, I remember hearing about that too. Who was it? I think a lot of it was Sinclair got a lot of it. Like he got yeah. treated a lot. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because Pletus, but you know. Speaking of taking advantage of these trainees, let's talk about slave contracts because those are a thing too. Not as much anymore that like they've changed them. There's actually a law put into place where they had to legally shorten them. They used to be like 10 plus years, but now I think 10 is the maximum and seven of them could are domestic. I know JYP has a six or seven year contract length for their idols. YG has a um, 10 year contract length, but theirs is interesting. It's like seven years domestic, like in country and three years out of country, like abroad. That's probably why when we see YG idols yeeted off to like America, they're completing their three years abroad part of their contract. SM had, I think they have 10 or 8. I don't know. The only group we know for sure about what's going on with that is EXO because they've been public about it and their contract expires within the next year or two. So they're not as long as they used to be. There's like a lot of things that have been put into place after several lawsuits. As it should be because, you know, as much as we get entertainment out of this, you can't forget that this is a job. And uh, if you have been out in the workforce for any period of time, The idea of being locked into something for 10 full years is absolutely insane. Like, I worked somewhere that was an abusive workplace that was absolutely destroying my mental health, and I was only there for nine months. So, like, imagine being in a situation where you are being beat down as a person, but you can't get out of it. Like, there's issues with that. And I think that's where the seven-year curse comes from, is the contract blank. Because if you only have a seven-year contract and your company is just being being the most and being awful, they're not going to sign again. They're just going to leave. And if it ends at the end of seven years, then that's the end of the group. One thing that I think Korea is really good at, at least compared to the West, because in the West you see a lot of shitty people and shitty people are everywhere so they're in Korea also but they're very good at keeping it under wraps like by any means possible yeah I have some stories but we're just gonna leave it at yeah face is a big thing here like you need to have the best impression and that's that's across the board the entertainment industry academia the government it's all saving face for some celebrities in the west they don't care (laughs) they're like well I'm gonna do it and it's just like Oh, okay. I guess this is this is what we see. We see we get to see a lot of the downfall of a lot of celebrities here in the West. And it's just like, wow, oh my god, that's happening. <laughs> I mean, a lot of celebrities in the West just like dead ass openly support like drug use. Like <laughs> nobody does anything about it. I'm gonna be real, when it comes to the West and like the celebrities that are like open about like smoking pot and things, I'm like, so what? But like when it gets to anything harder than that, it's like, no, you shouldn't be, mm, no. That's the thing too. Like I know in Korea, like people get in serious trouble for getting caught smoking pot as if like everybody doesn't do it. Now, personally, I have a history of hatred for pot personally, but like I don't give a shit if other people do it. It's just something I would never do for personal reasons. But, like, of all the things to get mad about, that's, like, getting mad about somebody getting drunk, pretty much. Seriously, and honestly, with the industry in Korea, it wouldn't surprise me that if idols go to, like, America, that they get high once or twice just to, like, relieve stress. Because their their jobs are hard. <laughs> Another thing mentioned in the article um, under the uh, contract issues is discussions about the restrictions that girl groups have, especially with their diets, to the point that some of the stuff I was reading made me feel kind of sick because it's like they're basically being starved sometimes is what it is what I read, interpreted anyway. Yeah, another reason why I could never be an idol, it's just like, I love food and I get it, you know, you you want to look a certain way, 
and that's your prerogative but at the same time it's just like eh, my health also is gonna take a toll for it too and i'm like i don't know about this one sometimes not all sometimes the diets are not the most healthiest of diets it's something to lose weight really quick and i'm just like eh, i don't know if i can do that me like when i diet i get sick easily before i can like start seeing results later on but i'm just like yeah i can't i can't do that well i mean the problem with that too is that if you get too obsessed with your weight i mean that's why you know eating disorders are so prevalent but like people get that way in their own minds what happens if everybody around you is telling you that you've gained too much weight you've gained five pounds you need to get rid of that immediately like how bad is that for your mental health that too you're already in the spotlight enough as it is and then you know, the tiniest thing like, oh, she's wearing these high-waisted jeans and then just a little bit of muffin top comes over and they're like, she's fat. No, it just happens because it happens like that when you sit down. Like, it can't be flat all the time. Some of these girls that I've seen too, like, I am concerned by how tiny they are. Like, they could probably be broken in half. I could kick one in the stomach and they would split in half. Like, it concerns me. Or when you see like them stretch out and you see their ribs and I'm like, oh, girl, <sighs> I feel like scary. I, I noticed that years back uh, when Blackpink released uh, like a dance practice video of Boombaya and uh, Lisa was in like a crop top or something. She was so skinny. I like thought she was going to fall over. Some of these girls, I feel like I just blow like, you know, blow them away with just like they go with the wind because they're so tiny and thin. I do want to say, though, that we got to be careful with that type of language because just as much as idols are shamed for gaining weight, they're also shamed for getting too small. There's no win there, is what I'm hearing, is that somebody's going to find a reason to talk shit about you, whether you they say you're too fat or you're too skinny. Right. Like, Hyanna and Ailey are two people that come to mind that they're either like, oh, you're too fat. Oh, you're too skinny. Oh, you look sick. You should gain weight. Oh, you've gotten chunky. You should go on a diet. So, yeah, it can be disheartening to see, like, their ribs or something. But if they are in, like, a weight that's comfortable for them, it might just be their body type that their ribs stick out. So we got we to gotta be careful with that and that's coming from me a thick bitch like well over 200 pounds so we love all bodies in this house yeah and and just to say it's like we can't control their natural body type either like you know there's going to be girls who are thicker than you know girls who are super thick and that's just the way how they are or there's going to be girls who are super thin it's just sometimes it's just like we know like we've seen them and it's just like are you okay you know but at the same time, like Amber said, if they're comfortable, if this is something that they want, then by all means, I just hope that it's in a way that it's healthy. You know, if they just are more on the skinnier side that way, and that's how they naturally are, and they have such a fast metabolism like that, and it's just even if they want to gain weight, and they just remain at that body type, I just hope it's like something like they're still continuing to maintain it in a healthy way and like it's nothing too extreme of these kinds of diets that they're doing it in order to maintain it you know yeah the I main mean, concern is health really because it's so easy to not be healthy on either side of the scale if that makes sense i just from my mental well-being as a fan like stressing over that part of their like idol culture like in size i had to stop allowing myself to think about that because it would hurt me too because like we see these idols on tv eating like full pizzas or like six packs of ramyun or like they'll get chicken and they're all just like going at it and then they're just stick thin so like being so invested in the idols like shape themselves can also harm us as well as well as them because looking up to that unobtainable body type right and, this and that's yeah that's an issue uh for i mean at least in the united states and you know on magazines and shit you just see these women that are photoshopped so it's like actually impossible to be that way it's wanting to attain something like that is where it gets bad. You have to not have that mentality, essentially. It got me thinking about, like, today I went and saw the Break the Silence movie with BTS. And by the way, guys, good movie. Just try to watch it with subtitles in your country in a safe environment. And I caught myself just going 
whoa, their skin. Because in the movie, like, you see all of their skin imperfections and all. But what do we see in pictures? We see this, like, perfect, like, slate there. And I just found myself being so fascinated by looking at, like, Jimin's cheek. And he has, like, this scar on his cheek on one of the sides. And I'm just like, huh. You're a real human. (laughs) Little things like that. They live up to their name. Idols. They're not supposed to be achievable. They have full teams of people that make them look the way they do. And like monitor their health and make sure they're doing exercise. And they have their dance practices. God, where they gotta burn so many calories. Look at those dances. Yeah, y'all ever tried to dance for like two minutes? It is exhausting. I feel like I'm rambling too much. We love our idols regardless, guys. I feel like we're like poking at them so much, but we we really do love them. All we want is for them to be safe and healthy at the end of the day. Just please be safe and be healthy about anything that you're going to do, okay? Just be safe and healthy. One thing I wanted to talk about from the article is I believe it's this, it's the second to last point in the article about the fans making or breaking the stars. As someone who's had that experience, like, I don't fuck with Blackpink, not because I don't like Blackpink, but because I can't stand the fans. Blackpink's got one or two songs that I'll listen to, but you don't see me out here waving a Blink fan around. And that's because they're very intense. And everyone's gonna be like, it's the few that outweigh the many, but there's just too goddamn many of them. That's also true about armies these days, which I can say as somebody that was extremely active in the army fandom in, like, 2016. The bigger the fandom is, the more icky people that are in it, so. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, ARMY, I'm gonna poke fun at you real quick. Recently, there's an article that came out about Super M's debut album being at the top of the Billboard charts. Have you guys seen that article? I heard about it. I didn't look at it. There was a lot of ARMY who I just think lacked reading comprehension that were panicking, like, going, oh, they're discrediting BTS's achievements, blah, blah, blah. They're saying, oh, but what about this album? What about this album? They failed to read the debut part. Bro, it's not that deep. Really, all it goes back to is minding your own goddamn business. Just stay in your lane. Stop trying to pick fights with everybody. It's not worth it. It's really not. Like, aren't you tired? Like, don't you just want to enjoy everything else that they put out without having to worry about the toxicity about other people? There's always going to be those negative things out there. And you can't fight every single one of them that is out there. Because everybody has a criticism. Everybody has something negative to say at the end of the day. And we can't control for that. I don't know about y'all, but like, I can't even stand going on Twitter anymore because everybody's just fighting about everything all the time, and it's not that deep. Muting words are quite fun. I wish I could not go on Twitter, but it's kind of my job for you guys. Um, But mute buttons are good, but also learning how to, like, don't be afraid of the block button. Don't be afraid of it. It's a great button. You can find good people on Twitter when it comes to the fan bases, but you can also find the people that you want to, like, throw in a cliff. Like, most recently, there's been an issue with accounts doxing Black fans on K-pop Twitter. By the way, hey. It's bullshit. People listening, stop. Stop this. This is enough. It's enough. There is no reason to be doxing people over K-pop. It's just fucking K-pop. I know, like, it's really, again, it's not that deep. Why are you, okay, first of all, doxing people in general is just fucked up. There's really no reason to do that. But the fact that you're doing it over fandom crap is unbelievable. Like, get a job, my dude. Go find something else to do. Get a hobby. Seriously, though, like, I mean, if you have those skills, get a job where you can use those skills properly and not for stupid bullshit like this. Stupid racist bullshit. Yes, Racism within fandoms is a whole nother topic we can get into. But yeah, it's just like there there are certain things that a fandom can do that it just, unfortunately, sometimes it pushes you further away from the group. I can say in my experience, I never stopped liking them, but for a while I just stopped because I couldn't handle a lot of the things that were going on within the fandom at the time. And that was towards Monster X. And it's not that I didn't want to listen to them. It's just, there was just so much of it that it's like, I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. 
by the fandom space that I can't, I feel like I can't fully enjoy what this group has to give me and what's, and what's to offer, you know, because everything is overwhelming. And the people who I was surrounded with at the time was just, I can't, like, I need some space. It was just more of, excuse me, I need space away. Give me some time. And then I'm going to come back. I never stopped um, liking them. It's just, I couldn't handle all of that. And then it was everywhere. And it's just like, give me a break, please. (laughs) Because sometimes you just need to have those breaks with your favorite group sometimes. That was me with BTS, honestly. I completely just like stopped fucking with BTS around. When did Idol come out? Late 2018, I believe. Yeah, it was right about there where I was just like, mm, not about it. Because I couldn't, the fandom, it's, ooh, the armies at large just really, they can either make or break BTS for you. Like, there's some that just won't even give BTS a chance because of the reactions of ARMY to them. And that's why, like, yes, I do enjoy BTS's music. I do. But I, I will not call myself an ARMY because of it. I think it's important to differentiate the fact that you can like the music and not have to interact with the fandom. Like, I feel like younger people don't understand that they are two separate entities. And I listen to a shit ton of different groups, but I don't actively engage in a community for them necessarily. But that doesn't mean that I don't like them or support them and buy their shit, you know? But this also leads me into a question. So we know K-pop fandoms, group fandoms are very intense. Is that true for Western artists as well? Do y'all not remember One Directioners? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's there. It's still there. Half of them are K-poppers now, so. Yeah, but but there's also a lot of people who are big fans of Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, and they will also come out of the woodwork. The Beehive will also come out of the woodwork too if you threaten, you know, Miss Queen Beyonce. So that basically just puts it down to some sort of human nature is to form a group around something and to be very intense about it. At least that's what I gather. I think it just happens in if you're a celebrity, like if you're just in the spotlight, if you're in in entertainment, my goodness. Um, I think as soon as you gain a following that way, there are going to be those people out there. I mean, you look at some of these YouTubers that have, some of them have cult followings and they're like, oh, he, he ain't like, oh, he's done nothing wrong, blah, 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 or she's done nothing wrong. She's fine. You know, and the, the Pollers. Oh, yes, them especially. Um, but look, like they're still here, you know, and it's just like, man, I don't F with them. No, I don't. Oh, can I just quickly add to not like in regards to what I said about what happened to Monster X and me, a lot of the people who I was surrounded with have calmed down since then. And now it's a lot more bearable. And I think it comes to a point where have you ever been in that realm of space where like you get so obsessed with something that you can't shut up about it for a while? It was around that kind of period of time. And it's just like, just bear with it, just bear with it, bear with it as much as you can, because they're just getting into it. It'll fade out eventually. But yeah, that was my situation. And I still love them to death and everything like that. It's just like, okay, just tone it down a little bit, please. Anyways, digressing, my bad. So the last point in the article is about the income, the training periods, the sleep, the crazy fans. Do you think Idol Stick It is all worth it? having that one chance with more and more groups debuting every year their chance at sparking a connection is getting harder and harder so is it worth it for idols to be basically a product for these companies to put out or is it time to start rethinking the system well i mean for some of them i think it is um the ones that are able to actually get to a point where they can do what they want. So my thought process there is like BTS writing their own music or, you know, like Hong Jung being very involved in um, ATS's work and even uh, the members of Seventeen that really have creative control over what they do. I think getting to that point is worth it for some of them, but there are going to be 
a lot of people that want to reach that point and won't be able to. So is it worth investing into necessarily? I think that if you are all in with it, then yes. But if you have doubts about it, you should probably go somewhere else because it's way too intense uh, of a thing and you have to have like an amazing amount of stubbornness to- You gotta have a lot of grit. Like you gotta wake up and your only motivation for being awake is taking revenge on on the world. I mean, that's how I function, so I get that. But you have to be a certain type of person, I think, to be able to get through all the bullshit. Because like, even with BTS, when they first started, their company was broke. They were like barely eating. So just because you debut or because you're in the public eye doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be successful. Let's put it this way, like the amount of groups that debut each year has gotten larger and larger. On average, 70 groups debut every year, on average. If we look at like 2019 or 2018, out of the 60, 70 groups that debuted, there's only 20 of them that you probably know their name. Right. Only a small percentage, first of all, make it into anybody's realm of like knowing, essentially. And even half of that 20, those 20, like a little under half or a little over half are actually actively making music and have released a track within the last couple years. So is it worth it for just a couple years of attention? I think that if your main goal is to be famous, then no. If your main goal is to make music and share something with the world that can make it better, then yes. Because like, I would say the same for like, there are a lot of kids these days that have grown up watching these social media influencers. And I grew up in a time that the social media influencers came from before there were any. So a lot of these people just kind of accidentally stumbled upon this life. I'm thinking of YouTubers like Markiplier or a Jacksepticeye. Um, Casey Neistat. I love both of them very much. But the point is they did not start this thinking this is going to be my career. It was more like, I'm going to do this because this is what I'm passionate about. And that's something I think that younger people really need to understand that true success comes from a drive for passion. If your main goal is to be like, I'm going to be famous and make all this money and all of this shit, I'm going to become like this biggest K-pop star ever. uh, It's probably not going to happen that way. And to kind of transition us into talking about our rookie group of the week, not all idol groups will stay the same shape or their same function like recently the group neon punch who debuted in 2017 they disbanded in august of this year and their remaining members reformed to make the rookie group some xum and they happen to be our rookie group of the week this week before getting into that i just want to say that covid fucked over a bunch of tiny groups fuck you covid that's also the reason that neon punch disbanded it's hard for me to think about there's Fun fact, not necessarily fun, out of the 55 groups that have debuted this year, two have already disbanded. And I'm sure none of you know their names because I don't either. But yeah, anyway, uh, let's get off of that depressing topic. So it looks like, yeah, based the Korean pronunciation is some, but if you look at it, your first thought would be Zoom, basically X-U-M. They are a three-member girl group under A100 Entertainment. All three of them were involved in Neon Punch. And actually, Zoom was initially supposed to be a subunit of Neon Punch before Corona fucked everything up. So they disbanded the original group and then debuted uh, these girls. Oh God, I just looked up their name and they are, they are joining the ranks of the K-pop groups with the very interesting name acronyms. Some is something spelled with an X, unlimited move. I don't know who comes up with these, but you know. It's just, I just, where did this name come from? But yeah, they officially debuted uh, last month on September 22nd uh, with uh, their first single album, uh, Dalala. I believe that's how it said. What did you guys think of the single? Jay, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like the sound. Um, the, the type of sound it reminds me of, it's very on trend to what's going on, like the type of music that you're seeing remixed or done for TikTok. Like, very much in that realm of very upbeat, very catchy. It's a very summery type of sound. And I'm not mad at it. I actually, is like, this would be played at a club or at a party, for sure. And it's a fun, 
fun song. And I, I was just like, oh, it's only a single. Give me more now. I, I actually liked it. So not bad. Not bad. The, the single album actually had a second song, Lip Gloss, on it. And out of the two of the songs, I know uh, the main single was the Da La La was the promoted single. But honestly, I kind of liked Lip Gloss better. The thing that really stood out to me, at least about Da La La, was that it was very... It, it, what Jay said essentially it's very trendy like it's like the girl crush thing that everybody's about and it's like the club banger like I I see where they were going with this I see what they were trying to do is there a TikTok challenge for their lead single because I wouldn't be surprised I feel like I was I was watching the music video this morning and there's about 10 million views on it right now which is pretty good but somebody in the comments had mentioned, if you didn't come here from TikTok, sound off. So I guess there is something going around for them on, on TikTok. I feel like that's just the appeal of what's happening in this current age of social media right now. You're going to see a lot more TikTok challenges come out within, you know, the next few months to how long, how long TikTok stays relevant, you know? Oh, yeah. Tons of groups are releasing TikTok challenge-based versions of their choreography. It's very interesting how quickly everyone has adapted to it. I have to say, though, like, as soon as I watched the music video, I was kind of overloaded because there's so much twerking happening. What? As somebody who has wa- hasn't watched the music video yet? What? There are just asses in the air everywhere. It was, like, a lot to, it was a lot to process. Let the girls shake ass. We don't get that enough in K-pop. I wasn't saying it was bad. I'm just saying that I'm not used to seeing that, so I don't really know how to deal with it. <laughs> Going to go and watch this music video right now, because <laughs> I'm like, I only, usually I only get time to listen to the songs. I never really watch the music video. So, okay, you have my interest. I want to see. I think, though, like, with all the girl groups that we review, they are the newest so I don't know if I can, they, I've only heard two of their songs. I didn't listen to them as Neon Punch, but from this initial debut, I feel like I could get behind them, but I need more before I could decide if I stand or not. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to decide off of just two songs, so um, hopefully we'll see more in the future. I do have to agree, yeah. I, like, I see a lot of potential. I do like their current song. I guess it's, what kind of direction are they going to go with in the future? Because we only have a single as of right now. Are they going to continue with this whole upbeat girl crush trend? And yes, I did watch the first couple of seconds and I'm like, I see what you mean, Roxy. Wow. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just like, I want to know what they're going to do next. Cause sometimes like we'll see this kind of concept and then they'll do a complete 180. And it's just like, Oh, you went with that direction. Okay. Okay. Diversifying, but I feel like it was a bit too soon sometimes. But Can we also talk about the increase of these three-member girl groups? This is the second one that's come up very recently. I don't know. I would think less members makes it easier to, like, handle. Because some people get overwhelmed when you look at a group and there's, like, 13 of them. At least I can rem- remember names more easily if it's a smaller number. <laughs> Mood. I lost all my brain cells trying to learn the names of the Super Junior members. I can hardly keep up with what's going to be NCT 2020. That's not even fair, okay? 23 is just too much. I don't know why that's happening. Can we also just, as we're wrapping up, why do we always get bitch slapped by September and October in the K-pop industry? Like, September and October, and I think the beginning of November, we just get bitch slapped with all these comebacks. There's too much happening in October. Like, I'm not even prepared for it. It's like the K-pop industry said, it's fall time now. Time to switch up the mood. Let's go. And I'm like, wallet cannot handle all of this sometimes. Do you guys have any comebacks that are coming up that you're looking forward to? Personally, I'm excited for Seventeen. Of course, I always look forward to Seventeen. BTS, of course, coming in November. Our Baby's Mon, they're coming back. And NCT 2020, because I want to see what NCT 2020 is going to do. 
My girl oh. Yezzy is having a comeback. Don't forget Yezzy. I love her. I oh. am Go going ahead. to cry because Juhan is releasing another mixtape this Tuesday. But when this comes out, it will be last Tuesday. And I would have already screamed about it for all of you guys in an article. But I'm just like, let's go, Juhan. He gave no warning for that. There was no I'm time just, to prepare. I'm just like, let's do this. Oh, another one? Because you know October is also their month. Twice has come back. Please, I hope you do another Halloween-type concept. I miss it. Please, I miss the whole dressing up as different things. Please bring it back. Wait, all the Shiny members will be out by October. Are we going to get a new Shiny song? Probably not in October. But I thought they said they were going to do something before the end of the year. All I can wait for is the Shiny's back. Yes, mood. I also want to talk about Wei finally debuting, and I'm only saying that because, like, I have been vibing really hard with Kim Donghan, and it's been it's been a ride. Man, that poor boy has been in how many groups? Well, he was in J. I mean, he was on um, Produce 101 uh, season two, and then he was in JBJ. Rip, bring JBJ back. I miss them. And then he did some solo stuff, and some of his solo stuff was kind of spicy. Yeah, his uh, his solo debut, Sunset, is like, bruh, I'm so about it. Man, just overall, when we talked about the K-pop industry and what these idols go through, there's so many talented idols that don't get the love that they deserve. Don't be afraid to, like, broaden who you listen to. Yeah, you can listen to, like, your their, your mainstream K-pop groups that are super popular, but you never know that once you reach out, you might find groups that fit your taste even more. You might find something you didn't even know you would enjoy. For sure. And actually, on that note, uh, you guys have any other comments uh, to wrap up for the week? Special guest next week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oops. Yeah, that's supposed to happen. I forgot. Oh, my God. I get Especially I get afraid to say that, though, because sometimes, I know. sometimes, sometimes like, things happen. Uh, hey, <laughs> they promised that they would be here. So um, what else? We have a special interview coming up. That we do. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is happening. What else can you think about? Um, uh, Off the top of my head. Oh, there's something exciting we have planned for this monster x issue now that it's out be on the lookout for social media right amber yes definitely take a look at the social media and if you don't know you can follow us at craze magazine at all of the platforms and come talk to us we love hearing from you yeah you did the social media plug for me so thank you (laughs) Alrighty, so i think we're gonna head off for this week so uh we'll be back next week with another episode as scheduled So this has been the CrazeCast, and we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.